The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. In celebration of their newly launched WCI newsstand platform, Wing Chun Illustrated is giving listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast a free one-month all-access subscription. Go to wcinewsstand.com and click the register button in the upper right corner. Use voucher code FREE4U. That's F-R-E-E, the number four, and the letter U, all caps. Don't forget to activate your account by clicking the link in the welcome message. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your hosts, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. And we are back. And when I say we, I mean this is the good-looking version of the Dudes of Kung Fu. <laughs> I'm here with uh, my son John, the producer of the show. How you guys this doing? Is, this is Big Sean. A- Alex is under the weather this week, so um, it's definitely not the coronavirus. We all know it's the fucking coronavirus. <laughs> but Alex is a little under the weather. He sent me a picture that he sw- that he promised made me promise not to share on Facebook. And I won't, but he does look like he's... But just Facebook. If you check our Patreon, you know, you'll see it right there. <laughs> no, he, he, he looks like he's three-quarters dead, so we want to uh, let him rest up. And and we figured we would do an AMA this week, and uh, I don't know why you people would give a shit about me and my thoughts on anything, <laughs> but I, uh, I thought it would be fun if, you know, John read some of the questions and... We, we, we chatted about them, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. But I'm, I, I love when we did the last one, so. Yeah, the last one was a lot of fun, and um, you guys were great, and you guys sent in a ton of questions, like so much more than we anticipated. It's crazy. Obviously, we can't get to every question, but, um, you know, we're going to we're gonna go through some, and uh, it's going to be a good time, I think. Yeah, listen, I want to give a special shout-out to our Patreon supporters. Uh, you guys really, you know, you guys really care about the podcast, and, and it's obvious. And, you know, there's an old saying, you know, you put your money where your mouth is. And you, you folks really have really stepped up, and, and you know, you know John Turnbull and Tolfer and the Jack. And you, you guys are, like, just, like, on it. And I just, so many of you, I really appreciate it. And, you know, we, we were working on content that's going to now be patreon only we're still gonna have the weekly podcast but we're also gonna have some really cool stuff going on that's gonna be just patreon only um one thing that i'm gonna be working on you guys heard me mention about the uh, jkd blueprint periodically well i've started to now map out short podcasts that are patreon only on me talking in depth on really the oral traditions of jkd as i've learned them you know, we wanted to. I, we, I really wanted to start sharing stuff that you don't see written down anywhere. You know, not that it's whispered, not that there's secrets, but it's just stuff that's kind of talked about. You know, things. Everybody's going to show you the, the 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 techniques, and they're going to talk about the principles. Not everybody shows you how to make this shit work, and it's time we start doing that on a bigger basis. I kind of feel like the more we grow the better the art's going to be. And I want to do this for our Patreon supporters. It's kind of like it's a really big-time thank you. So I'm going to do podcasts on, like, timing and on rhythm and, and on, you know, the defensive energies and 
and things like the five ways of attack and I have a lot mapped out and uh, and it's going to start within the next week so um, sit back because people are going to enjoy this shit I know it yeah we, uh, we we truly appreciate all the fans and all the people that uh, that come out and support us and um, you know are consistently posting on social media we see you know Topher Maori you know he's posting every week every single time there's a new episode you know he's posting on Twitter and Instagram and whatnot and, you know we totally respect John Turnbull and the Jack you know Francis Gordon uh, oh, Kirk right. Taylor Francis is huge I love Francis yeah. Yeah. Francis is always commenting on the Patreon that, you know he's cool, yeah. you know Kirk Taylor you know we have you know there's, there's a bunch of you guys and we really love and appreciate it but of course you know we love all the Facebook people and all the Twitter people on Instagram and whatnot, you know, you guys are always sending in stuff and liking and sharing and kind of, you know, putting in a conversation that really gets people all hyped and whatnot and then gives us content, gives us things to talk about on the show, you know? So it's, um, it's, it's really nice and, you know, we really appreciate it and uh, we have some really cool content and some really cool special guests are going to be coming on Patreon and speaking with us. We can't exactly say who just yet, but... We we got some we got some pretty cool people that I really think you guys are really going to enjoy. That's going to be coming up really soon uh, on the Patreon. And, so, and, and yes, that was a beer that I just opened. <laughs> and yes, that was a dirty look that my son gave me for making a noise <laughs> on the microphone. It's going to be a fun night. So you guys <laughs> just sit back, relax, um, and just know that we're we're thankful. We you know, we we're watching, we read everything, um, we see everything. We don't always have a chance to personally respond to everybody. But we do, uh, you know, we, we do we do read everything. We do see everything that you guys are doing, and we truly appreciate it. All right, so you know, let's get into the AMA. We got you know a bunch of questions here. It's, wow, it's you guys are just crazy. All righty, so are you ready? Sure, bring it on. All righty, cool. So, uh, first question is going to be from Anthony Gomez. In what ways has Wing Chun helped you to better your JKD practice or understanding of it? And how has your JKD training helped your Wing Chun? By the way, Anthony Gomez is a top fan on Facebook. He's listed as a top fan of the Dudes of Kung Fu page on Facebook, which means that he's always consistently liking and commenting and whatnot. Right. So we thank you, you know, for your support there. Well, thanks, Anthony. I appreciate your support. I, you know, I've always, I've gone through phases in my learning, I guess like everybody, you know, I used to get like mad at myself. I said I had ADD of martial arts because I was like really into JKD and really into Wing Chun, really into MMA. And I kind of went through these phases and I, and at some point I kind of just got comfortable calling what I do Kung Fu. And I, I, I don't mix them. I don't kind of just mush them together, but inside of me, I'm one person. And I kind of feel like each thing that I went through kind of helped and hurt the other martial arts. So there are things in Wing Chun that helped my JKD, but that if I became a 100% Wing Chun person, would have hurt my JKD. There's things in JKD that if I would have stayed 100% JKD, would have hurt my solitary Wing Chun person. And MMA would have just thrown it all out the fucking window. So, it's tough to, like, kind of pick and choose things like that. But I will say, like, when I when I got into Wing Chun on a, on a serious, serious basis with my, my Sifu Tom Gagan, a lot of the things that, a lot of the words, the buzzwords that I heard mentioned in JKD kind of made sense. 
and I, I feel like Wing Chun helped me understand Jeet Kune Do on a philosophical level more than on a practical level. Yes, like um, like I know, you know, Bill Sang had mentioned in his question, which I ran through the question before about you know the tired of the sloppy pox house. Yeah, Wing Chun definitely cleaned up the sloppy pox house on my part, but it was more than that. When I when I when I started learning Wing Chun. It, it, it reinforced the lessons that my teacher Steve gave me that I, you know, Steve Golden was really so instrumental in teaching me so many of the principles of JKD. But, you know, I had like these roadblocks in my head that I set up. And I think having a, a different perspective on them, a Wing Chun kind of like solidified that teaching. You know, um, sometimes you need to hear the same thing in a different voice. And I think that's what the Wing Chun did. It, it kind of gave me this a lot of the same principles of JKB, just a different, slightly different version of looking at it. And one, if I'm going to say one thing specific, I will say one thing specific. It was the idea of center line. Now, I know each lineage has their own verbiage for things, and I, I'm not going to speak for any lineage, not Moya lineage, not for, I, but just to understand what I'm talking about. When I talk about centerline, the only centerline that I really truly care about is if you took my plumb line and my opponent's plumb line and drew a line from that plumb, from one plumb to the other, that's the centerline in my eyes. And in my Wing Chun training, I, it was through my Wing Chun training that I realized that that was the, my goal was to always control that line and have my opponent be off center, so that his the triangle the, from his two shoulders to his arms extended, pointing to like a pyramid, would be pointing off my center, and mine would be pointing towards his. And that is a principle of both arts. This idea of controlling center, and that was absolutely reinforced to me, and really came to came home to me through my Wing Chun training. You know, principles are principles because they're universal, regardless of art. There may be different ways of looking at a principle, but a principle is a principle is a principle. And this idea of wanting to control center, if your art is focused on controlling center, then that principle of controlling center is a universal truth regardless of what your art is. So yes, I learned it in JKD and had some ideas about it, but I think I was so clogged and my brain was clogged. And I, you know, you read like 600 pages of Bruce Lee's notes and you know, depending on what mood Bruce Lee was in, it was some different idea of looking at things. And it was when I really came home with Wing Chun that 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 idea of centerline solidified for me. And, I, and so that, I would say that would be one specific. It's Very nice. All right, cool. So the next question is going to be from Sifu John Crucioni. Uh, it's a two-part question. So uh, the first part is, uh, Sean... What do you see as the differences between Wing Chun and JKD in concept and theory, not technically? And part two is concepts versus original JKD pros and cons. Okay, so first I want to thank Sifu John Crucioni for being an awesome advertiser of the show. He, um, John is really, Sifu Crucioni, I call him John, I, I don't mean to be super informal on the yeah. podcast, <laughs> but we did a podcast together, so we're friends, so I can call him John. But Steve Crucioni really stepped up, and he, he advertises on the show all the time. 
and uh, you know he, he's he's a big supporter of the arts and and I just want him to know and his students and his friends to know that I appreciate it very much that he steps up and puts his money where his mouth is and really like wants to help out and help the podcast grow and the arts grow <clears throat> through that. In answer to his questions, the first question philosophically, what's a difference between Jeet Kune Do and, and, and Wing Chun? I want to I want to state before I answer the question <clears throat> that I can only speak in terms of me. Okay, um, one of the problems that we have in the martial arts is that when we answer questions like you know how is Wing Chun different from this and how is JKD different than this, you sometimes end up pissing off certain lineages. So, or certain practitioners goes like, oh, we do we do that or we don't do that. So, I want to preface the answer with this is in, in the way I understand things, okay? So, one of the biggest, and I would say the biggest in my eyes, philosophical, con- conceptual, principal difference between Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do as I know it is in the use of broken rhythm. Um, JKD is highly dependent on the use of broken rhythm. Broken rhythm in our footwork, broken rhythm in our body language, broken rhythm in everything we do is is based on the idea of the manipulation of our opponents through the controlling and use of broken rhythm. A lot of fakes, feints, off-angle movements, uh, stuttering type steps. Um, all this is, is, is very broken rhythm based. And Wing Chun, as I've learned it, is not that way. Wing Chun, as I learned, it doesn't use fakes and feints. It doesn't uh, stutter their steps. And I know some people look at this as a, you know, like a, a technical difference. It, it's not, it's a conceptually based difference. This this idea of broken rhythm is huge in JKD, and it is just almost non-existent in Wing Chun. Now, as far as the whole JKD concepts versus original JKD, man, that's a that's a tough fucking question. Um, well, it just is. I mean, there's just a lot of anger involved with these two sides, and I. I I think neither side would claim me as a representative of that, you know. Um, I, I, I I train with weapons, so immediately the original people say, well, he's not an original JKD guy. But I don't train in strictly, you know, Kali, Muay Thai. So the concepts folks would say, well, he doesn't do Jikido concepts, which is fine. I, I couldn't care less. But I think there's a lot of truth to both. I tend to equate myself, to include myself, I caucus with the um, original JKD folks, but I am not a person who is just solely into original JKD. However, I don't think that the concepts approach is a bad approach to fighting. I think the concepts approach, especially today, with and I, I'm speaking speaking strictly of people that train in legitimate Jikindo concept schools are training in incredible freaking martial arts, you know. Um, and often 
they are sports-based, and that's not a knock. That's a compliment. The, the, when I say someone that's a sport-based art, they're, they're talking about Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. These are sport-based martial arts that, to me, are the most practical martial arts in existence today. So I think they both are just great. Now, do I think there's anything wrong with adding something to original JKD? No, not at all. I think Bruce Lee would not... Again, my opinion. I don't think Bruce Lee wants, wanted robots. But I don't think he would have wanted the adding of things for the sake of adding either. You know, um, you had something like, say, the straight lead or some type of footwork or or or, or some, something other physical tool of Jeet Kune Do as taught by Bruce Lee. I don't think he would... I don't think Bruce Lee would have minded something being added to the art if it was more efficient than the way he was doing it, if it was more practical than the way he was doing it, if you can conceive of a drill that Bruce Lee was not doing that didn't create bad habits in your students and was a more efficient way of teaching a principle or tool than the way Bruce Lee was doing it, well then to not do it, to not do that drill would be a disservice to yourself and more importantly, a disservice to your students. But drills shouldn't be added willy-nilly and for the sake of adding either. So I think, you know, the whole JKD concept versus the JKD original all boils down to find a place where you're happy to train and go train there. I, you know, I really think there's great, great schools on both sides. And, um, you know, I mean, I, again, I know very little. I've never met the man, but Taki Kimura teaches original JKD. Who wouldn't want to train with Taki Kimura? You know what I mean? Guru Dan Asanto teaches, you know, Jikindo concepts. Who wouldn't want to train with Guru Dan Asanto? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, these are great schools on both sides. Find way, find, I would find the one that makes you feel at home and, and go for it. Alrighty, so the next question is going to be from Michael Boyce, who I'm always seeing posting uh, on the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. So I want to thank you for that, Michael. Uh, Michael's question is, if you could only teach one thing passed down to you from Steve Golden, what would it be and why is it so important? Can you give an example of how you would teach this to a beginner, intermediate, or advanced student? Does it matter? Uh, hey, Michael. Um, for those who don't know, Michael is uh, a fellow Steve Golden student. He's, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's oh, uh, one of my pretty... seniors in in, uh, in in Steve Golden's martial arts. And, Have you met him? Uh, I've never met Mike, but a couple, you know, my, my, I say my guys, you know, Seth and Chris and Dave Shostel, they've all met Mike, and um, he's just an awesome dude. I've you know, known him online for a long time. Where's he from? Do we know? I'm gonna guess. You know, I you know what? I don't know what's what where he lives. It's like I'm gonna guess in the the, the Washington State area, but I don't know exactly where in Washington <laughs> State. But um, him and his son Tyler, who's a uh, a brilliant martial artist. Um, if I had to say the one thing that I learned from Steve, like are we talking like a like a a martial arts thing? I would say broken rhythm. But now, of course, the second I said that, I want to say if I take it a step back and it's going to be keep an open mind, you know, um, gosh, I learned so much from Steve. God, I, you know, I, the idea of not counting, carrying around excess baggage in the martial arts is another thing. But let, let's go with broken rhythm. Because um, to me, and what Steve does, 
it's you know I know everybody thinks that Steve Golden is the trapping guy of JKD, and and for good cause he's has incredible trapping, but you know that's not Steve's game. Um, Steve's game is um, distance timing and rhythm. It's footwork, and all of that is based on his use of controlling the distance and the rhythm and the broken rhythm that he works with. If I was going to start teaching broken rhythm to a beginner, intermediate student, one of the things I like to do is get is um, is getting people to learn how to shift angles by breaking rhythm and how to like so say if they're moving around in a stance, to kind of take like a half a step maybe to their right and then just as the opponent starts to turn to compensate and as the weight's starting to load putting your weight to the other side and stepping around and 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 making them be off center and you broke broke their rhythm you break your own rhythm to break and to break their rhythm and get them with their weight loaded on the wrong foot while you're attacking and this idea, it sounds complex, and I know it's in this, in this methodology of just talking, it's tough to con- convey what I want to say. But the idea of breaking rhythm with footwork, which is super important in Steve's game, is if I had to pick one thing, that's what it would be. Alrighty. So the next question is going to be from John Rappley. Uh, and he wants to know about your guitar. He wants to know, he said, uh, Sean, what is your favorite blues scale to play and how long have you played guitar for? Okay, so... Uh, I am obsessed with guitar. So I, but I, no. I, I promise I will keep it short. All right, so... As far as blues scale to play, I, we're going to say with key. I, I probably enjoy playing in the key of A the most um, just because... I, you know, I've learned a lot in the key of A, but when it comes to listening to the blues, I love, for some reason, I love songs in the key of E. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting better at playing in the key of E as well. Um, I, but I, I find, I'm always finding similarities between music guitar and guitar playing and the martial arts. And, um, and if you, if you don't think there's a similarity between music and martial arts and you don't know enough about one or the other, um, one thing I would say in music, there's a, uh, there's a quote by a musician, I can't remember his name, who says something to the effect of like that he doesn't play the notes differently than any other musician. But it's the notes, it's the spaces between the notes is where the art is found. And to me, that's the beauty of Jeet Kune Do and, and, and well-executed martial art is not so much in the technique but in the spaces between the techniques in the rhythm that's where the, that's where the art comes in what's being done in between techniques the momentary hesitations that are capitalized upon and not capitalized upon the aggressiveness the, 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 the being, being passive this is where the art of martial arts takes place. It takes place in the spaces in between the techniques. That's where the beauty of it is. And that's in where the beauty in the music. When you listen to music, yeah, the notes have to be beautiful. But 
it's it's how long the notes are held and the spaces in between the notes that make them stand out and that and that really is the interaction between the, the music and the martial art but other than that let's go with the key of a <laughs> <laughs> there you go all right so the next question is gonna be from jesse oliger if i'm pronouncing your last name wrong jesse i apologize you don't want to do that because jesse can fight man oh, <laughs> you know jesse i know jesse oh okay. Jess, jesse's got some fucking game <laughs> how do we pronounce his last name oh i have no idea okay <laughs> All right, so uh, Jesse writes, Hi, Sean. Uh, is there a source of published Wing Chun principles that someone from another martial art or non-martial art can acquire and research? If so, are these principles universal and applicable to all martial artists? Hey, Jesse. Um, well, you know what? I think... I don't know if you can say that anything applies to all. Right, but you know, yeah. if something is a principle in principle a principle is a principle is a principle right if something's a principle of, of martial art it means it's the truth regardless of, of the art um when it comes to Wing Chun right the question was about Wing Chun right yeah so yes. like there's some great books out there about the the principles of Wing Chun and the the ones that come to mind is from oh jeez I'm so I this is why I gotta practice. That's why you shouldn't have had that beer, Sean. Right, this is true. I shouldn't have had that sixth beer. <laughs> but you know, um David Peterson's books David Peterson's books are incredible. Um Alex is also working on a book on uh he has his book on is on um Chum Q, but he's gonna be coming out with a, a, a book on principles also. But um in my in my experience, David Peterson's books are phenomenal when it comes to Wing Chun principles that are especially applicable to a Jeet Kune Do practitioner because they're all based on, on uh, Wang Shang Lung, who was Bruce Lee's friend and in many cases Bruce Lee's teacher. His, the, he was Bruce Lee's Seeing, right? So he learned so much. Bruce Lee learned so much from Wang Shang Lung. So much of Bruce Lee's, especially early Jeet Kune Do, is stuff that he took from Wang Shang Lung. So um, I would look for uh, the the books by uh, David Peterson on Wing Chun and, and, and just devour them, bro. Absolutely great. So the next question is away from Omar Hagen, who's also another top fan on it, listed by Facebook on the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. So Omar, we appreciate your love and support for the show. Uh, o Omar says, hey, Sean, you're obviously a pretty strong fellow. Do you consider yourself to, to have knockout power? And have you knocked anybody out before? Well, <laughs> I'm sure there might have been one or two yeah, people. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I'm not going to say how, how strong I am or not, but um, I've definitely knocked some motherfuckers out. Let's, let's tell some stories. <laughs> well, I, I'd like to hear some stories. I don't know. I'm sure our listeners might want to hear some stories. Well, uh, you know, I don't know about... Um, so... How many people are at the bottom of a river? Like, I, I want to... <laughs> well, you know, knocking people out and dying are two different things. Uh, you know, listen, yeah, so... You got to do one and do another. Right. I, uh, I, I you know, I, I've been knocked out. So let's, let's start off by saying that. I've been knocked out in training. Um, it's, it's happened a few times. It's why I'm so dumb today, but, um, and I have no memory. I've been knocked out a few times, but, uh, yeah, I've knocked some guys out. Um, 
once or twice in training and more than a couple of times when I was working as an auxiliary cop in Brooklyn, you know, you walk in a foot post and it's just you standing on a corner on Flatbush Avenue and, you know, you've had to def- I've had to defend myself a few times. And, um, and you know, I grew up in a pretty tough area in Brooklyn. And even before, you know, like the auxiliaries and things to that effect, I, you know, I was in a couple of scrapes here and there. And um, so, yeah, I, as a big guy, I, uh, I, I've, I've knocked a couple of guys out. But I, I want to say that I'm really glad you asked that question because people think big guys can't move. And they're wrong. And, I, and even now... If, my almost 55-year-old fat ass who can barely walk around the room sometimes. I, I like to tell people, I got one good punch left in me. And you don't want it. You know what I mean? So, it's uh, so yeah, I, I have hit a guy. And, and people have to respect the big dude that just because he's having a hard time walking around, he's probably lighter on his feet than you are. And, uh, and you, you, you know... And can so if he knows how to manipulate his weight, you're you're in for a, you're in for a land of hurt. <laughs> All right, so we have Anthony Iglesias. Um, first question from Anthony is, uh, who was the most handsome co-host you've ever had on Dudes of Kung Fu? Uh, don't answer that though, because you said he already knows it's him. But I, I, I think I can make a you know an argument you know for myself. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> Um, he said, but seriously, what was the most significant life-altering experience for you in your entire history in martial arts? Wow. Okay, so... I remember... I remember one time I had gotten the phone, a phone, my first ever phone call from Steve Golden. And afterwards, hanging up the phone... And sitting there thinking about the phone call and realizing that this could be life altering at the time. I remember saying like, I owe it to myself to make the decision. Do I want to make martial arts my life's work and get to know Steve and get to understand what he has to say, or am I going to just back out and go on to something else? Because Steve Golden deserved the respect of not being casual about it. And I remember seeing, like, I had this opportunity that doesn't come around too often in your life to learn from a guy who learned from Bruce Lee, who was genuinely a nice person, who seemed like he really cared about people and he wanted to work with you and make you a better martial artist and a better person. And I remember thinking like, wow, you know, this could be so meaningful in my life. I don't want to make this decision lightly. And that was probably one of the um, most life-altering martial arts decisions I ever made. Um, there's been others. Uh when I got into grappling as a as an adult and started training with Matt Thornton life changing like just life changing you know um, 
It's a lot of working with Tom Kagan. These, 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 these. I don't take on. I don't take on teachers for the sake of taking on teachers. I'm not a collector of certifications. I'm not a collector of of of, of teachers. I never. There are people who rightly pride themselves on being certified by five people or three people or two people. You know, hey, I am certified by somebody of each different era of Bruce Lee's life. That's all fucking awesome. And I'm not knocking that. But for me, that was never my viewpoint. I always looked at, like, the idea of taking on somebody, of, of calling them my teacher, my seafood, whatever, the, the, my coach, as something so important to me that I probably over-agonized over it. I... um. I want to make that right decision because to me, that guy's my that that person is my teacher, my coach for the rest of my life. So I would say with the with the choosing of each teacher, Steve Golden, Matt Thornton, and Tom Kagan as life-altering moments in my life when it came to martial arts. Because, you know, it's been years. And I still consider them all great influences in my life. Alrighty, so we got Dwight D. Woods next. Who you were just on his show? What's the name Which, of uh, what's the name of Dwight's show? I I love Jeet Kune Do, and he has actually two shows: Jeet Kune Do Dialogues and and I love Jeet Kune Do. And dude, they rock. Dwight's Dwight's podcasts and video video interviews are awesome. I you know what? For some reason, was not watching them. And now, since I was on the show, I've been going back and watching his old ones. Man, he's had so many great guests on. And he does awesome interviews. And I cannot stress enough for people that they should go listen to Dwight's stuff. He does great work. Yeah, Dwight had a great had a great interview with you, I think he yeah, did. Yeah, it was, he yeah, did, it was he really did, good. Yeah, he did really good. Yeah. And uh, so Dwight, Dwight wanted to know, he said, Sean, we always hear about JKD's five ways of attack. But what about methods... Of defense or counteroffense, what does JKD have to say about those? That's a great question. That's a great question, and you know, I was actually, I literally, Dwight, I was literally just recording something on that for the Patreon supporters, and I kind of want to keep that for them. So if you can just answer, maybe like in a sentence, you know, right, so something the, very you know, brief. The, the idea of the defensive energies of being passive, active, and and, and, and intercepting, and um, it's uh, there's there's different ways of looking at these things, and um, it's it's just so it's just such an in-depth topic. Of course, Dwight came so, up with it no, because you know. So you know what we can do. So so Dwight. So what what we're gonna do is I don't know if you're a Patreon supporter or not, but if you're not, we're gonna we're gonna record the episode where Sean answers your question, and regardless if you're a Patreon supporter or not, we're gonna send you that file. Uh, separately, just to get you, right? Yeah, just to get, get just to get you your answer, you know, because uh, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. Right, 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 right. Right, but we're we're gonna answer your question in depth in a Patreon exclusive episode, and regardless of the fact, I'll personally send you uh, the MP3 file so you can listen to it and get an answer to your question. So, <laughs> right, I, I I I didn't realize that was in the schedule for the Patreon. It's literally, it's a, I was just mapping that out. And I, I don't want to, you know, I want to make it something so, because it's, it's such a great question. It's just such a great question on something that's never spoken about. And I just thought that's just such an awesome right. idea. 
so Dwight, uh, look out. Uh, you know, you can contact me. We'll, you know, we'll get your email down and we'll, um, we'll set that up, man. All right. So, <laughs> sorry about that. All right. So, uh, next question will be from Dennis Carden. Um, he writes, I started JKD at an older age and was wondering if it's possible to improve execution speed. I know timing and rhythm are key, but was wondering if physical speed attribute could be improved. And if so, what drills would you suggest? Uh, great question. First of all, speed can always be improved. Speed can always be improved. But more important than speed is your timing. Is more important than more important than worrying about being faster is worrying about punching at the right time. And yes, there are drills for that. And I'm sorry, I just got a text message in the middle of the thing. It's it's Seth being a pain in the ass. Um, I would say anything where you have to deal with any kind of reaction is the way to go. So I don't know what I don't know what uh, training equipment you have available to you, but when it comes to developing quicker reaction time and quicker speed, my favorite training device was always the double end bag. It's not super expensive. You hang it in your, from your ceiling. I don't know if you know what they are, but it kind of has a, a rope from the bag to the ceiling and a piece of elastic from the bag to the floor. And, and, and you move around, move around and hit the double end bag and, it, and it, it'll, it'll improve your distance. It'll improve your speed. It'll improve your coordination. To me, it is one of the best attribute developers for a single person training on their own that there is. And um, I, I think that's how I would go with it. And welcome to the martial arts. You came in on an early, at a late age. I started guitar at a late age. It's, it's awesome to start at a late age. Because you, you, you're, you're adding something to your life that's going to just be life-changing. And uh, I think it's wonderful. <laughs> Alrighty. So, you know, figure Seth just texted you. We'll answer his question next. So, okay. all right. So, Seth McCollum from Boston, good friends of us. Um, he wants to know, he said, Sean, what's your process for creating and adding drills for your students? Right. So, like I've mentioned before... On, um, I think I just, just talked about it a little bit on um, Dwight's. I, I, the way I teach is very attribute based, meaning that um, I used to, at a point, okay, so when I first started teaching, I became a collector of drills. I'm not saying that was a good thing, I'm just saying it's, it's what I did. I screwed up. I started collecting drills upon drills upon drills upon drills. And I realized that we were doing drills that were teaching things that were just not applicable to what we were doing. So we kind of um, threw everything out. I threw everything out and said, you know what, I'm starting from scratch. And I realized that if we look at what we were doing as we wanted to be efficient and effective, we say, okay, well, what do we want to do? We take the roots of Jeet Kune Do as we understand them, which are the controlling of distance, timing, and rhythm, and the five ways of attack. But as for, when it comes to movement, you have the distance, timing, and rhythm, right? Distance, timing, and rhythm helps us employ our strategy. 
when we understand our strategy, we break our strategy down into tactics. And you have to look to see what tools you need to, to enforce your tactics and strategy on your opponent. When you understand what tools you need, what the bare minimum amount of tools, you now have to then create drills to get you athletically better at performing those drills properly and with the right timing based on the principles of your art. So it kind of becomes this like circle that like the roots and strategy dictate the tools, the, the, the tools dictate the drills, the drills help you enforce the rules, the, the, the strategy and the roots. And, and in order for something to get into that, is, it's, 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 near, it's, it's almost impossible. Once you kind of come up with this like core group of drills to get you really where you need to be. So like if you get, if you know, if someone teaches you a drill that makes you really good at a jump spinning hook kick, that's fantastic. But if a jump spinning hook kick is not part of your go-to tools, then the, then why work a drill that gets you better at at that attribute that you're never going to use? So you have to understand and kind of come to terms with how are you going to fight? What tools do you need for the fight? And what drills are going to make you better at those tools? It sounds kind of simple and basic, but it's just the truth. We don't want to, you don't want to be overloaded with anything. The idea of simplicity in Jeet Kune Do is, is a, prime, a prime importance. And, you know, um, being simple is not easy. Being simple, it's, it means uncomplicated. It means um, being reduced to only the necessary items is the idea of simplicity in Jeet Kune Do. And when we talk about our tools and our drills and our strategy, we... we we, we pair it all down to, with the idea of simplicity. There's five ways of attack. Why is there five ways of attack? Well, once you understand the five ways of attack on a high level, then you know there's five ways of attack because that's how many you need. Not, unlike, not like the way there seems to be this misconception that all ways of attack fall within the five ways. That's bullshit. That's just simply not true. People do that because they don't understand. Not all ways of attack fall within the five ways. There's, uh, there's ways outside of it. No, I'm not going to start listing things. There's five ways of attack because that's how many you need. There's a list of tools you need to enforce those five ways of attack because that's how many you need. You, you don't need to have 27 different versions of one technique when two versions will get the job done. That's an idea of being simple. So, this is like, this idea of paring down and, I'm not sure if I'm answering the original question. <laughs> Do you want me to read back the yeah. question? Okay, all right. So the question from Seth was... How do, I pick, how do I make drills? And I make drills, I make drills that reinforce the tools that need to be 
reinforced and I make sure the drills make sure that they keep us in line with the principles of our art. Alrighty, so we got Tom Edison. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got Tom Edison here. He wrote in, he said, Sean, I've always been impressed by your loyalty to the Moye system. Moye. So- he, oh, okay. My, uh, typo. My apologies. The Moya system lineage. Uh, what is it about this variant that appeals to you as opposed to others of which you may have experienced? Tom Kagan. That's the answer. It's about as simple as answers you can possibly be. When I, I didn't know a whole bunch about Wing Chun. I mean, I knew a JKD person's version of Wing Chun, right? So I know Fox Al Opsal and a whole bunch of other bullshit that. I thought I knew about it and I really didn't. It was through Tom that I got to understand Kung Fu life and the importance of learning the whole system and the importance of a whole system a whole system's knowledge is on your on your on your depth of understanding. And it was because of my relationship with Tom Kagan that I quote unquote chose the Moyat system. Quite frankly, if Tom Kagan was in the Lung Ting system, I'd be in that. And if he was in the Wong Sheng Lung lineage, I'd be in that. It really was, I developed a relationship with a person as a friend that turned out to be a teacher in the Moyat system. Now, am I happy that I'm in the Moyat lineage? Yes, absolutely. Um, because it's, it's a wonderful, beautiful lineage and it teaches an effective martial art. But quite frankly, I, you know, it was because of my teacher. It's really, it's, I, I and, and that's why when people say to me like, oh, well, I, there's, there's a teacher from this lineage and a teacher from this lineage. You know, there's two schools near me, two different lineages. Which one should I go train at? And I tell them, don't worry about the lineage. Go in, talk to the teachers, talk to the other students, find out the place you'd rather be at and go learn that lineage. Go learn that martial art. Because that's what's more important than the lineage, is the people you're gonna be around every day learning. Do you know what I mean? That's what's important, is the relationships. The techniques are not that important, believe it or not. They're not all that big difference. It's, it's, it's you wanna pick the person as opposed to the lineage. And for me, it was Tom Kagan. All right, we have Chris Kennedy. Uh, you know, another good friend of the yeah. show, of course. Um, a lot of attributes and tactics in JKD seem to be trained at range, meaning two opponents are squared off. In speaking purely self-defense situations, do you think most of this stuff is applicable or should more emphasis be on close quarter combat? Are most martial arts forgetting to teach and train basics like clinch, headlock, bear hug, escapes, etc.? Chris is 100%. 100% spot on correct. Um, this idea of squared off combat, this sparring, is is almost it's it's it, it, it leads to bad habits and false senses of security in in martial arts because unfortunately most times fights. There's not a lot of squaring off. You will see some squared off if you watch fights, like you know, like you know, people like these videos on YouTube, people fighting. Yeah, you'll see two guys shove each other and square off for a couple of seconds before one starts throwing bombs. But a lot of times, it's just like, you know, you're standing there and a guy just starts throwing punches at you. You know, you're 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 in Barnes and Noble looking at the magazine rack, 
trying to figure out how you're going to sneak this playboy into the house without your wife finding out. And the moron next to you starts throwing a punch at the side of your head because, you know, your shadow crossed over his shadow and he's a fucking asshole. And he's, you know... And it, this is not a squared up situation where you got some drunk in a bar who thinks that you looked at his girlfriend and he now has to just take you out. This... This, this is not ever going to be people squared up fighting. And yeah, Chris, I agree, dude. You know, there has to be more of like scenario-based training and more emphasis placed on simple escapes from headlocks and takedowns and um, on more practical self-defense situations than just sparring. Sorry, sparring is not going to get... is not the... It's not the be-all, end-all of martial arts. And I, and I know that's going to annoy some people, but it's just the truth. Yes, is sparring important? Of course it's important. Does it teach you everything you need to know? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. It just, you know, it just doesn't. Most fights are not two gentlemen standing five, seven feet away from each other agreeing to fight. That's just not what happens. At least not in New York City, I can tell you that much. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, so we have Chris LaFalce. I've heard uh, of him. Uh, of course. <laughs> um, Sean, how would or do you ensure your students understand that drills and other martial exercises are made to cultivate attributes and not meant to be a fixed point you get stuck in? Many people get stuck in the drill as if it is application and worst case scenario become victims of pre-programmed choreography. Such a great, such a great point, such a great point. Um, you know, recently someone even said to me like, "Do you do do you use chi sao in a fight?" And no, I don't chi sao in a fight. Like, what the fuck? Chi sao is a is a drill. Chi sao is more than a drill, right? So chi sao is an environment for learning. It's a moving environment for learning. It's a moving classroom. That's what Chisa is. I don't even want to call it a drill. But people say, well, if you don't do it fighting, don't do it in drills. It's ridiculous. But yeah, people get so caught up in certain drills, though, that they think because they can do this drill, that that drill represents fighting. Chisa is a perfect example. I can't tell you how many Chisa champions I've met in my years in Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do that they couldn't fight, you know... They couldn't find my wife if they had to. You know what I mean? Cause, but they're perfect. They're chi sao. You know, it's like, I, in fact, you know, John wanted to hear stories. And I, I'll tell a story I probably know I never told before. And I had a guy that I chi sao'd with. And he was a moron. So he kept on doing things that people would say, like, out of bounds in chi sao. So I got annoyed and I told him, you know, knock it off. You know, you're going to you're gonna hurt somebody like that. And he tried to get away with the whole, like, oh, well, this, we're training for combat thing. And I'm like, all right, you know, and I started chi sao again with them. And they did the thing that I just told them to stop doing. So I shoved them. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, this is part of my chi sao. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. What you just did to me could have hurt me, and now I'm going to hurt you. And he, you know, 
he got so caught up in winning Chisau that he forgot that I could knock him the fuck out. And I, I, I think he learned a lesson that day that maybe, you know, you shouldn't get caught up in drills and maybe learn how to fight. And, and, and people do get in, in, in encapsulated within drills. Yeah. You know, they're some of the best drill fighters in the world. <laughs> you know, but they can't fucking, you know. Like, I don't know how good Chris LaFouse is at Chisau. But I know I wouldn't want to get fucking punched by him. I can tell you that much. Of course. All right. So, uh, I got Dave Shostel. I've heard of him, too. <laughs> You're at Sifu. I've had the pleasure of watching your own application of martial arts evolve while you helped me develop mine. Can you point to a couple of aha moments you experience in your own personal development? Yeah, sure. Um, one I alluded to before when it came to... So I, I, I was a high school wrestler and I remember a long time ago when I was still in Brooklyn teaching, we had a guy come down to, to, that was training with us and he was, he was a good dude and a good student and I had no idea that he was a wrestler also. We just didn't talk about it. And... But I also didn't know, in addition to wrestling, he had a good Brazilian jiu-jitsu background. And one day we was, you know, futzing around sparring. We had a little class going on. And, and he took me down. And in wrestling, you never want your shoulders on the back. You don't want your back on the ground. Because if your shoulders get pinned, that's how you lose. So when he took me down, like a moron, I spun over to my belly in, in, in an attempt to get up. Because I didn't want my, my instinct was to not let my shoulders hit the ground. Well, he immediately took my back, gave me a rear naked choke, Mataleo, set his hooks in, and choked me out. And that taught me right away that, like, wow, my thinking is all wrong when it comes to this stuff. And I need to re-examine my understanding of, uh, of uh, ground fighting and takedowns. And, and it really, it was that one takedown by him that put me on the Matt Thornton route of, like, I, I need to work with guys that, you know, understand wrestling and jiu-jitsu, and I need to understand this game for myself and for my students. And that was one of my biggest aha moments. That was a huge aha moment in my life. Alrighty, cool. All right, so, uh, what, you want to do one more? Or yeah, how many, how many, more, how many do want to do? Do one more. All right, cool. So, last question, and uh, will be from Mark Williams. Uh, Mark says, Sean, from your experience, how do you implement Chi Show? Chi uh, Okay, yeah. How do you implement Chi Sao? Uh, to combat, does it develop reactions that are relevant to fighting? Okay, so like I was saying before, I think Chi Sao is an environment of learning. And... It's 
it's not so yes it does deal with reactions and you will learn reactions that are um applicable to fighting but don't look at it that way look at chi sao as a a schoolyard for you to learn in and in the schoolyard when you were a kid you learned a lot of things that became useful in your life you learned how to interact with other people. You learned the, ru- the rules of a, of a game. You learned how to line up for school. You learned a lot of things that had a direct impact on almost your whole life. You learned in a schoolyard. Well, Chisau is a combative schoolyard. And don't look at it as just you want to learn trapping or you're going to learn reactions Look at Chi Sao, rather, as a way to look at angles and a way to look at energies and a way to test strategies in a, in a very close environment. And then try and work your way offhand. So if you start at Chi Sao as the nucleus of it all, and then slowly work your way back a little bit that your chi sao role is only just at your wrist. And then you kind of start moving around offhand, not touching. But still with the same kind of energy and, and, and purpose, that's when you really start learning. You know, um, one of the uh, coolest things I learned from Steve Golden is like I call no-touch chi sao. And it's... It's chi sao without any touch. And it sounds so stupid, but it's not. It sounds like, oh, well, how can you do chi sao without touching? You can. This idea of manipulation of angles and energies and rhythms with footwork within the environment of chi sao, taking a couple of steps back. I can tell you, and I'm not exaggerating here, I did chi sao with Steve Golden. And I'm telling you, he made me fall over. I've tripped over my own feet, and he didn't even touch me. It's like a wide receiver kind of doing like a stutter step to a to a to a D back kind of thing, and the guy falling. They say fell out of his cleats. That's happened to me in Chisau. And in this offhand, no touch Chisau, even more often. And look at Chi Sao as that. Look at Chi Sao as this huge environment to learn, as opposed to it's going to get me better at a specific thing. Also, while I'm while I'm here, I want to talk about one other thing real quick. Although really not to do with your question, it kind of leads me on that, that that end of thinking. Beware of the JKD guy who tells you he works on the the Mukjong, the wooden man so hard and so heavy and he bangs the arms crank 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 because he's gonna deaden all the skin of his forearm so that he can just punch through anybody's defenses and all this other bullshit that's not applicable to real life and then does cheese out to, for as a sensitivity drill to make his arms that he can feel the slightest touch it's 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 counterintuitive it's just ridiculous and i can't tell you how many people have told me that they hit their mukjongs with all their might on their forearms to deaden the nerves in their forearms and then do chi sao to build their sensitivity. Sensitivity what? So 
Use, use, use Chi Sao with, with, with your brain. Try and be intellectual about it. Try and expand it. And, and try and make it as a complete school of learning as opposed to just a drill that's somewhat functional for combat. Alrighty, guys. Well, that was uh, that was the AMA. Uh, if we didn't get to your question today, we deeply apologize. There was just so many questions here. We yeah, were honestly, it was a lot of fun. This was awesome. I enjoyed this a lot. Of- absolutely, and I think uh, I think you guys are you know really going to enjoy the episode and stuff. But we'll definitely do this again, though, for sure. I uh, don't know when, but you know, I think you know, I think we'll definitely do this oh, again absolutely. at some point. Um, like I said, if we didn't get to your question, it had nothing to do with your question at all. Just honestly, you know, we'd be sitting here all day if we answered every question uh-huh. that we uh, that we got. Sent it. Uh, I really want to thank everybody, and, and again, I hate to harp on it, but the, the, the Patreon people, thank you so much. Listen, you know, even like people say, like, oh, I can't do the five dollars a month, but I do two dollars a month because you know it's what I can do. Hey, you know what? Two dollars a month is awesome. I we appreciate that. We think it's freaking awesome. Thank you. And like you know, and I know. Listen, I know sometimes. Hey, two dollars a month. It, that's it's money. That's money for people. And I, and I appreciate that, you know. It's like, but but for some people, it's like, oh, that's not even a cup of coffee, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I like, you know, if you can do two dollars a month on your Patreon, five dollars a month, we really because we want to give you the best we can give you, and the Patreon money helps it that we can do all this, you know. Um, and I just want to thank everybody that's, that's been so supportive. Of the podcast, I really appreciate it, and Alex appreciates it, even when, even with this coronavirus that he doesn't have. <laughs> and uh, of course, you know we appreciate everyone who who shares the show and talks about the show on social media and whatnot. Yes, you know that absolutely. you know you know that helps and leaves a review on iTunes, you know Apple Music, whatever they're calling it now. Um, you know that that truly helps out the show and helps out the algorithm though and helps other people find the podcast who might have never even heard of the show before you know all of that stuff helps out tremendously and the more you guys do that you know the much better for us and the more the more eyes the more listeners you know that we can get on this i mean you guys may not even know this you know but we you know we, you know, we check the stats and stuff we have people from all over the world uh, listening to the body this is not just in the you know, united states we have people we have a, you know you have a huge following in france really you know, we have people in France and Germany and Sweden you know, who listen to the show religiously. You know, we have people in wow, so awesome. many other countries and stuff, and, you know, it's absolutely insane. Um, so we appreciate that in this, you know, and we, we're almost about to crack 150,000 downloads soon. That's amazing. So um, we, we appreciate all of your love and support and everything you guys do for the show so much. And... Um, you know, you know, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys and talk to you soon. Alrighty, guys. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com slash support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes, as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the Dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. 
Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter, too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!